Dr. Youssef will be back next week, and uh, he has been uh, doing some traveling. If you were interested in seeing kind of what he's been doing, uh, he has put some of it on social media. So go there, go to leadingtheway.org, follow them on uh, social media on Facebook, and see some of the things he's been up to. But on November uh, 15th, I believe, is a Wednesday, he will be sharing a little bit more about what he's been up to. So be sure to join us for that. While he's been gone, we have been blessed to have many wonderful guest speakers for our series on the Reformation. And Jim Wood is here to finish up that series on the Reformation. Pastor Jim Wood is passionate about sharing the gospel. He wrote his first sermon at the age of nine and began preaching at 15. Jim is founder and executive director of Wears Valley Ranch, a home and school for children who come from families in crisis. Jim also hosts a nationally syndicated radio program, Abiding in Christ. He and his wife, Susan, have been married for 40 years and have seven children and 10 grandchildren. So let's give a warm apostles welcome to Jim Wood. Thank you so much. It's a delight to be here. Um, This is one of several churches that I pray for each week. Uh, Michael and I became prayer partners back in 1985 and have been faithfully praying for each other since, and I would say that prayer has been answered. Uh, God has blessed uh, this church in such a tremendous way, and Michael's leadership has been very inspiring for me. when he contacted me about coming to speak this Sunday and told me about the fellows I'd be following, um, <clears throat> I, I just I felt very honored, okay? But um, we've been doing uh, a Reformation celebration every year, uh, whatever church I was in since 1980, um, because we believe that we have a lot to celebrate. And while Halloween has become the second most popular, in terms of dollars spent, the second most popular holiday in the United States, surpassing Easter, surpassing Fourth of July, surpassing Thanksgiving. Um, I, I think it's very important for those of us who appreciate the gospel and who appreciate having the Bible in our own language to remember that October 31st is Reformation Day, and we ought to be celebrating that. So we celebrate that in our home, in our church, in our school. And by the way, thank you for your prayers for Wares Valley Ranch and uh, your support of Wares Valley Ranch because it has made a difference. And we just celebrated uh, two days prior to the uh, Reformation Day Uh, we celebrated our 25th anniversary of taking care of children there at Wears Valley Ranch. We're very, very grateful for that. I might add that many of those children are from Atlanta. And uh, one of them was so excited when he found out that this is where I was preaching this Sunday, he asked if he could please come because, in his words, that's my church. So just know that you are the one that connected us with some of the children that we're serving because they're connected with this church. 
and we are grateful for the opportunity to minister to those children. Now, as we celebrate Reformation each year, we talk about, you know, what the Reformers brought to the table in terms of the truth of the gospel, in terms of getting the Bible into the language of the people, whether it was in German by Mr. Luther, for those who lived in Germany and spoke German, or whether it was uh, Wycliffe and Tyndall and others in England, or whether it was Jan Hus uh, in Prague, uh, we talk about the great contribution that they made historically and how we are the heirs of that. We are enriched by their sacrifice. But one of the things that we also try to teach is that this cost them tremendously. Some of them escaped martyrdom because they had political connections like Luther. But some of them were burned at the stake. Some of them were beheaded. Some of them were strangled to death. Many of them spent years on the run in poverty, constantly under the threat of death. And it wasn't just the famous reformers. It was the ordinary people whose hearts were touched by the gospel who put their trust in Jesus Christ and began believing and sharing the gospel. Think, for example, if you were one of those fortunate enough to get one of Mr. Tyndall's translations of the Scriptures, and now you could read the Bible for yourself in English. Wouldn't that be thrilling? And imagine as you began to teach the Scriptures to your children and teach them to memorize the Scriptures, now finding that you are living under threat of death. Imagine being a child who recites what you've been learning because your parents are teaching you to memorize the Scriptures. I hope that you are memorizing Scripture and teaching those in your care to memorize the Scriptures. But imagine now this child who goes and shares what they've learned, and as a result, word gets out in the village, and dad is arrested and then killed because he taught his children the Scriptures. How do you feel if you're that child? What do you do with that? Feeling responsible, in a sense, for your parents' death do you feel like you made a mistake sharing the Scriptures? Or do you understand the Scriptures that tell us all who would live a godly life in Christ Jesus must suffer persecution? That's not an idea I made up. That's God's Word. If you would, please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 23, Jesus is speaking, and he has just told his disciples that he's going to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed 
and on the third day be raised to life. Beginning in Luke 9, verse 23, this is God's Word. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Folks, you and I live remarkably comfortable lives. I mean, we certainly are touched by illness. Sometimes finances don't go the way we planned. Sometimes relationships become strained or broken. We may experience betrayal. But the fact of the matter is very few of us have much experience with militant, violent opposition to our speaking the truth. Jesus speaks of not being ashamed of his words. Would you still be diligent about sharing the gospel with those around you if you were risking your life? Honestly. Say, well, no, I I believe if they came at me, I'd still be prepared to share the gospel. Good. Well, then are you doing it now, I assume? You see, we're afraid we might not be popular at the tennis club, and so we hold back. We're afraid that we might get left off the list for bridge, And so, we don't want to be obnoxious. Jesus, talking about losing your life, and then says, don't be ashamed of my words. Don't be ashamed of my words. All the kids who come to the ranch have to memorize Scripture. We don't use corporal punishment. We use rewards. If they memorize enough Scripture, specifically if they memorize the entire Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, and they can recite all three chapters straight through, they went a trip to the beach with my wife and me. (laughs) Well, somebody has to host it. So we've been doing this now for years, and we've, we've had dozens of children who've memorized the entire Sermon on the Mount. I mean, the whole thing. The whole thing. Well, I think that's a wonderful thing. Glad you're doing that for the children. How's your Scripture memorization coming? Well, you know, I've got plenty of Bibles. Will you always? Is it possible that we might in our land, face a day 
when it's illegal to have this book that some regard as being filled with hate speech? You say, well, that could never happen to us, for goodness sake. Look, I mean, nearly half the country believes that this is not bad. Oh, that's comforting. We start out by memorizing Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That's how that psalm opens. And we teach the kids to memorize that one first, not only because it's the first psalm, but because it teaches them why it's important to memorize the Scriptures. We need to memorize the Scriptures because unless you memorize them, you can't meditate on them day and night. Amen? So if you're going to meditate on God's Word day and night, you have to hide it in your heart. But if you do that, it's not intended just to be kept inside. It's intended to be shared. It's something absolutely wonderful. It's a treasure. And if you keep that treasure to yourself, you are not doing right. If you share it with others, there will be those who will oppose you, who will slander you, who will look for an opportunity to criticize because they don't like the conviction that truth brings. You think about Jesus. I would, I mean, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that Jesus knew what he was doing. And, and he did things really well. And yet Jesus stirred up opposition to himself. His goal was not to stir up the opposition. His goal was to be obedient to the Father. But the inevitable consequence of obedience to the Father is you stir up opposition. Not because you're trying to be difficult or controversial, but simply because the natural bent of the unregenerate human heart is hatred toward God. That's what God says. John chapter 3 says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the darkness, and men preferred the darkness because their deeds are evil. The reason there's such resistance to the truth is because there is such hostility to the one who is the truth. And so if you and I are faithful to him, inevitably, according to God's word, all, 2 Timothy, Paul writing, all who would live godly in Christ Jesus must suffer persecution. So, Pastor, are you saying that I'm, I'm not trying to live a godly life? I don't know. I haven't been around you long enough. But I'll tell you this. If you are really genuinely seeking to do whatever God says and you haven't been persecuted yet, hold on to the saddle, okay? It's going to come. Jesus said so. It will come. And one of the things we need to understand is as, as was shared beautifully earlier in this service, when one part of the body hurts, the rest of the body suffers. 
I am not immune to what's happening over in Egypt. Oh, that's a long way away. Those are my brothers and sisters. Those are your brothers and sisters. And you can't be untouched by that if you're connected to the body. I'm so thankful for the tremendous ministry that this church is a part of. As you reach out with the gospel to people all over the world and not only share the truth of God's Word, but provide support and encouragement and training and all kinds of practical support for your brothers and sisters who are suffering greatly. That is one of the principal ways in which all who would live godly in Christ Jesus suffer persecution because we are not untouched by what happens there. But we're not being honest with ourselves and we're not being responsible with what God has taught us. If we don't stop and consider whether or not we will be faithful if the heat gets turned up here. I haven't had a lot of experience with this. I've had a little bit in my life. There was a a group of, of guys in Mississippi who literally took an oath among themselves that they would not eat. I don't think they said drink, but they said they wouldn't eat until they had killed me. And it was because of a sermon I preached that was not popular in the community because I was opposed to racism. Now, I had excellent reasons for being opposed to racism. I'd gone to school in the Northeast. No, that had nothing to do with it. Racism is a big problem in the Northeast. But now I was down in Mississippi, and I was preaching from the Scriptures, and as I did so, I said what God says, and that stirred some people up, and they literally wanted me dead, and the chief of police quit his job, turned in the keys to the cruiser and his badge and his gun so that he wouldn't have to protect me. Boy, that'll give you a warm feeling. (laughs) He was also the local grocer where I bought groceries. I didn't buy any that week. I was warned by the other staff at the children's home where we were working in Mississippi, don't go into town. And they were taking turns patrolling around the dormitory where my wife and I looked after little kids. Eventually, they got hungry enough and calmed down enough that they started eating. But the first time I was told it's safe to go back to town, and I went back to town, one of them approached me holding a a butcher knife in his hand with about a 14-inch blade. Walks right up to me in the middle of Main Street, says, you're Jim Wood, aren't you? I said, yes. Now, let me tell you something. There's more to that story, but you have to buy the book. (laughs) It is told in A Place to Call Home, my wife's excellent book, a page-turner. I'll tell you this. I not only had the opportunity to talk with that man and live without getting stabbed, but 
I had the opportunity to continue to develop relationships in that community without backing down from the truth. If you are serious about God's Word, proclaiming what it says and doing what it says, there will be times when people will want to do you harm. During my years in Atlanta, not everyone thought that I handled the, the fact that I'm opposed to abortion in a wise manner because the way in which I behaved landed me in jail. And I'm happy to say I had an attorney from Apostles. But you see, some people thought that if I'd just been a little smarter, I could have stayed out of jail. Well, I could have, but then my wife would have gone to jail. I knew one of us was going to get arrested, and I decided it was better to be me and leave her with the three small children. Okay? If she's in jail and I've got the kids, that's a lose-lose-lose proposition. I'm just telling you, there will be times in your life when you have to make a decision, and if you make your decision based on, well, surely God doesn't want me to do that because that could get me in trouble. That could cost me financially. That could alienate me from people. That could cause me to be unpopular. That could cause people to laugh at me. If that's the way you make your decision, you're going to make the wrong decision time after time. And I've heard people make decisions that way. Church people, evangelicals, who thought that they could go ahead and have an affair, get a divorce, marry somebody else, because, quote, quote, I know God wants me to be happy. My answer is, if sinning is what makes you happy, you're going to burn in hell. Don't think for a minute that God is so eager for you to be happy that he's going to change the rules for you. It's not the way it works. Jesus died to save sinners. Thanks be to God. But Jesus died not just to save us from the punishment that we deserve, but to save us to be a holy people, to be a people devoted to doing his will. Jesus came, the Bible says, to destroy the works of the devil. So the way that works is not that you get to keep doing them, and God just doesn't care anymore. The way it works is that God gives you a new heart, and you begin following him. But Jesus says here, if anyone wants to follow me, anyone. In other words, this applies to all. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Please underline the word anyone. Please underline the word daily. It's not just something you do on that magnificent occasion when suddenly you rise up and do the right thing. 
Jesus said, if you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. If you're unfaithful in little, you'll be unfaithful in much. In other words, when it just seems like a little thing, God shouldn't mind because this really doesn't count for all that much. If that's the way you're making your decisions, then when the big test comes along, that's the way you're going to make your decision once again. But if you are faithful in the small things, then Jesus says you'll be faithful in the big ones too. So start now. Start now. Notice the phrase, whoever wants to save his life. Isn't self-preservation basic? I mean, you know, God wired us that way. We're just, you know, it's survival. We have to be oriented that way. Jesus says, if you really want to save your life, give it away. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses it for my sake will find it. What's your goal? I'd I'd like to save my life. Well, then don't try and save it. That seems a little counterintuitive there, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Because God's ways are not our ways. But if your goal is self-preservation, you are doomed for destruction. And Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Now, some of you people are pretty prosperous, okay? But I don't think there's anybody in here, at least Boyd didn't mention it before the service, somebody who's gained the whole world, okay? I don't think so, right? So in other words, whatever it is you're trying to gain, whatever little mountain you're trying to climb, whatever the the goal is that you're hoping to achieve, Jesus says, if you conquered the whole world and lost your soul, you're a loser. You've lost something that is more valuable than the whole world. That's a precious statement from God. God is placing extreme value on you, on you. He's saying your eternal soul is worth more than all the things of this world. So don't throw it away trying to save it. Instead, yield your life to him. If you lose your life for Jesus' sake, then you'll really have life. That's what it's about. And Jesus says, again, using a universal term, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. John Curl's going to talk to you tonight about parenting with an eternal perspective. Folks, that's great. We need to do everything with an eternal perspective. Jesus says, I want you to be making your decisions based on the fact that I'm coming again. I mean, right now your decisions might make sense in terms of what this person's going to think or that person's going to do, but how will your decisions look in light of eternity? Because that's all that matters. The rest of this stuff is going to be over like that. It goes by so quickly. So quickly. But Jesus says, I'm coming again, and I'm coming in glory and in power 
and everybody is going to appear before me. So I think back to the Reformers, and I think of what they were willing to endure, not so that they could have a Bible in their own language, but so that we could have a Bible in our own language. And I think, am I living like that? I mean, it's not enough just to believe that it's good to have a Bible in our language. If you really join the Reformation celebration in a meaningful way, it means you're willing to lay your life down so that others can have the Bible in their language. How much are you willing to give? How much are you willing to do? What will you do with the Bibles you have? Do you know what they say? Do you spend time really in the Word? Are you hiding God's Word in your heart? As both of my parents in their latter years lost touch with current events, shall we say, God's Word was still the overflow of their heart because they had spent decades hiding God's Word in their heart. How seriously do you take the Bible that you have in your language? It is God's Word. Treasure it. Study it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. And share it with others. What about the gospel? The Reformation reclaimed the truth that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone for the glory of God alone. But folks, what are you doing with that? Are you sharing that news with people all around us who haven't got a clue? The average person who believes in God believes that we get to God by doing more good stuff than bad stuff. That's what most people think. Sadly, that's what tons of church people think. We need to be sharing the gospel. We need to be teaching our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors. So I don't think my neighbors are interested. Would they be interested in something else and then you can kind of begin to share with them? Heard a story about a guy who was asked week after week by his neighbor, hey, would you go golfing with me Sunday morning? But the neighbor was a Christian, and so he said, no, no, I always go to church on Sunday morning. Okay, all right. The next week, hey, would you like to go golfing with me this Sunday morning? No, no, I, I always go to church on Sunday morning. After five weeks, the neighbor said to him, you know, I've asked you five times to go golfing with me. You've never once asked me to go to church with you. And see, the Christian thought he was doing real good there, being a witness by saying, no, no, I go to church. <laughs> Maybe your neighbor really wants to spend some time with you. Now, maybe they just want to beat you at golf, but, but maybe, maybe they really 
want somebody to connect with them. Pray that God will open the door. Pray that God will help you to connect with people who are ready to hear, who are ready to know. We have good news, and it's not really a Reformation celebration unless you share it with people who don't know yet. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that because of Jesus, we can draw near, that we can be made one with you through Jesus Christ. I pray that you would forgive us for the times when we congratulate ourselves for what we know and fail to put it into practice and share it with others. Help us to take you seriously enough to be willing to pay whatever price is demanded in order to share your costly love, your magnificent grace with those who don't yet know you. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.